In the last year, there have been a slew of carbon announcements, announcements by companies and countries to become, quote, carbon neutral by the year 2050. And the amazing part is, it's not just your run-of-the-mill companies you'd expect to do it for some PR, it's oil and gas companies setting ambitious targets to get themselves carbon neutral. Microsoft uh, has unveiled a response to climate change. It wants to erase its entire historical carbon footprint by 2050. Britain last year passed a law targeting net zero emissions uh, by 2050. So. Eni is an Italian oil and gas producer. They announced an, an ambition to slash its carbon footprint 80% by 2050. That sounds like a lot. Looney plans to adopt broader carbon emissions reduction goals that will likely include emissions from fuels and products sold to customers rather than just the far lower emissions from BP's own operation. So Delta Airlines will become the first airline to go fully carbon neutral on a global basis. All right, so that's the big news. Um. <laughs> Those clips are from Free Float Media's other podcast, Business Pants, and Damien and I had the same reaction to pretty much all of them. I gotta ask you this, not to, not to slow down Biz Nuggets, but 2050, it, I mean, it took us less than a decade to put a man on the moon. It's gonna take them 30 years to figure this out, 30 years? It took China 10 days to build a coronavirus hospital. Except, thank you, exactly. <laughs> So here are some fun 2050 projections to think about. World population is expected to hit 9.8 billion people. Global temperatures have risen 5.5 degrees Fahrenheit in the last 30 years. 150 million people worldwide had to move out of their cities since high tide is rising to where they used to live. And there are some estimates that as many as 17 major U.S. cities would have to be partially abandoned or adapt thanks to persistent weather events and rising sea levels. And 40% of the global population live in water-stressed areas now. And this, this is the year that a slew of companies will finally hit their carbon targets. I mean, we finally did it, you guys. Congrats. Welcome to the Market Medium. I am Matt Muscardi. On today's show, I get schooled. Because when I see a slew of 2050 carbon targets, it makes my brain hurt. Like, why can't we do this maybe two decades sooner? So I asked the brilliant Donna Sassarian, who takes me to school. So, hello, I'm Donna Sassarian. Uh, I have over 15 years experience in ESG analysis with a focus on climate change and extractive industries, in particular oil and gas and mining. And then, like analysts do, I start brainstorming about long-termism and incentives. Because, to put it bluntly, we're probably fucked. Unless, of course, we start playing the long game a little bit better. Coming up. All right, let me set some context here. As of 2019, 18% of U.S. companies set carbon targets in 2020 or beyond. And 40% of those companies set them for this year, 2020. It's why you're seeing so many new carbon targets. Everyone's re-upping like an episode of The Wire. And the next targets are so unsurprisingly human, they are largely nice round numbers. It's 2025, 2030, 2040, and my personal favorite, 2050. As of now, about 11% of U.S. companies who have set a carbon target set it for 2050. Now, I'm just going to do some quick math here. Stay with me. Turns out that 2050 don't tell anybody, is 30 years from now. 30! 
And as much as I want to think that's like really far away, apparently Poland doesn't think so. Poland just announced it might not be able to hit the EU's 2050 carbon targets because of coronavirus. They threw in the towel 30 years early. Seriously, we can't do better than 30 years from now? I think it's a target that kind of makes sense, especially for these uh, problem industries like oil and gas. All right. So here's where Donna takes me to school. Donna and I talked a lot about oil and gas companies in particular. And I'll come back to the Microsoft and Harvard's of the world. But she said something I can't get out of my brain. If you're an oil and gas company setting a carbon neutral target by 2050, it's essentially betting on one of two outcomes. Either you develop technology to turn oil into something less oily, or you just gave yourself a date to stop being an oil and gas company. If you can take that oil and use it for hydrogen generation, and again, make sure that that, that's a closed loop for the carbon, you can do it. But maybe some strategies would say, you know, we gradually do not invest into finding new oil. We're just going to shift our business model from oil to energy generations like solar, for example. And think about that. You spent 100 years building your business, and now you're setting yourself up to do something totally different. And you have to do it in about a third the time it took you to build what you already are. So here I am, all high and mighty, thinking 2050 is absurd. Oh, wait, there's a but? 2050 makes sense because things don't change overnight. Um, however, a Carbon Tracker, uh, I think they're an NGO, so they essentially say that all the unsanctioned uh, projects, so basically all the developments that haven't been approved yet, they're not on the books, they are outside of any scenario. So basically any oil and gas company is still looking for oil and gas. They may need to still produce it in order to stay in business. So that sounds like a problem, no? That oil and gas companies have 10, 20, 30-year projections on resources and projects off-the-books projections and projects, projections that they, like, need to happen to stay in business and forget about what's happening with coronavirus now. So these companies are making big, splashy announcements about being carbon neutral but actually need to burn more oil just to stay in business. It's survival mode. Why make the projection at all? Why lock yourself into a bet that you might innovate your way out of burning shit you pulled from the ground or that you'll just go do something else? What is the point? But at the extent of which this information gets it, you know, integrated into uh, carbon analysis, carbon scoring and, and benchmarking, investors will shift money based on companies having or not having a target. And engagement is another big piece. And then you count in the regulators. So, you know, companies that have big targets is like, well, we, we want to level the field and there's going to be a discussion that involves what sort of policies at government level is going to be set up. So it's, you know, that those are the, the sort of like, uh, it's, a, it's a trickling down or up, you know, depending on how you look at it. Ah, the old other shoe problem. So this is the crux of the 2050 problem to me, because the companies get a short-term benefit, an almost immediate benefit, as investors throw some decarbonizing capital at you, regulators might lean back or engage you for advice instead of to, you know, regulate you, and you get a big, splashy PR win. I mean, here's the Shell headline from just a month ago, quote, Shell sets bolder emissions goals 
even as virus hits oil. That's a PR plus in the middle of a pandemic, no less, when no one cares about anything but the virus. And this, to me, is the best place to start as an analyst. The biggest problem with long-termism is accountability, because we have a lot of short-term wins here for something that should take 30 years before we actually celebrate. I want to give you some more 2050 fun facts to consider. The average board member's tenure in the U.S. is seven years, and the average CEO lasts five years. So between now and 2050, the average U.S. company will have six CEOs and four completely different boards. Not to mention the median age of a U.S. board member is about 62, and about 80% of those are dudes. The life expectancy of your average white male in the U.S. is 76 years young. So I'm just going to get out the old TI-82 calculator and... Ah, yes. Uh, 95.3% of board members are likely to be dead by 2050. Yeah, that sounds morbid, but here's the more morbid number. 0.9%, I'll say it again, 0.9%, less than 1% of U.S. board members today have been on their board for 30 years or more, which means when I calculated out 15, yes, 15 people 15 board members out of more than 33,000 might be in a position to see their company's carbon target to the end. You'll never guess, actually, which company's board has the best chance of seeing their carbon target through. It's Grubhub. 44% of the Grubhub board is under the age of 47. Now, all they have to do is, you know, set a carbon target. So guess what? Humans make for shitty long-term overseers, but there are a few things that can outlast old board members, and this is where it turns into a brainstorm, a sort of meta version of how ESG analysts like to think. Here's solution idea number one. And let's start with something, eh, maybe it's dumb. Maybe boards shouldn't be that old? We talk a lot about board diversity, gender, race, experience, even education, but we don't talk much about age diversity. Now I looked at the age variance and median ages of every board for the largest U.S. companies, 600 of the largest U.S. companies. I'll put it in a chart on our website, freefloatmedia.com, in the market medium section. 41% of those companies land in one quadrant, which I lovingly call old and stale. These are companies with median ages of board members above 62 and an age variance less than the U.S. average for boards of 8.5 years. So consider this company, Synopsys Incorporated. It's a U.S. software company, Silicon Valley. It basically takes the cake with a median age of the board of 65 years old and an age variance of just two years. Do the math. The whole board is slated to be dead by 2030, much less 2050. So dumb solution number one, get younger and more diverse. Which brings me to my dumb idea number two. While younger leaders might actually see the results of their decisions, any leader will do what you pay them to do. So what if you Elon Musked the board members pay? Musk is poised to meet the final performance threshold needed to claim the first of 12 tranches of stock options this week. So remember he... His 
compensation agreement a few years back were these 12 ginormous stock option grants that had very onerous performance conditions. So he has, he is meeting one this week, which will give him about $730 million if he were to exercise the stock option immediately. Governance experts mostly hated Elon Musk's pay plan because it was so big, but it did something kind of unique. It leveraged time. The average realized pay of a U.S. board member per year is about 130000 and the awarded pay, which includes stock options, is about 315000 total. So that's about $200,000 difference. What if, and stick with me now, you basically took half of that, $100,000 of their someday pay, and had it vest over instead of three years, 10. What if the 10-year payday could be upwards of a million dollars? And you give it to them whether they're still on the board or not. Maybe it can even posthumously go to their estate if they die. The board is meant to be a counterbalance to the short-term thinking of management. Yet the board gets compensated in the same way management does, in three-year increments. We talk here a lot about the idea of an infinity company, the true innovation of the Dutch East India Trading Company. The CEO's job is to manage a company this year and maybe think one or two more ahead. But a board's job is to manage to infinity. So why not pay them that way? Which brings me to my last dumb idea. It's the same solution markets have actually used for millennia. Debt. Debt instruments are the closest market solution to long-term. Countries and companies alike offer 30-year bonds regularly. In 1911, the U.S. issued 50-year bonds to pay for the Panama Canal. And just last year, Austria, Belgium, and Ireland issued 100-year bonds. 100 years! So what happens when you combine a new market solution with an old one? Green bonds have seemingly solved, at least in theory, for the idea that you can ring-fence proceeds from the bond to do something green. So imagine this, a carbon target bond. The maturity date is the target date, and the target is a covenant. If the company misses the target, they owe a big lump sum. If they make it, they pay principal plus just a reduced interest rate. You want accountability? Investors will sure as hell make sure your carbon output is what you say it is if they have millions of dollars riding on it. Look, I spent 15 years doing ESG and sustainability work in one form or another, mostly making the ratings and models investors use to, you know, invest. This is a glimpse at the way analysts largely think and brainstorm. And guess what? Maybe these are all dumb ideas because at worst, we can always try something much simpler to solve the problem of 2050. But here's what Trump said. And I wanted to point this out because it's just I, I feel I still I feel sick when I read statements like this. Because I you bring me because down I, again <laughs> because I feel like I'm back in like the 80s as a dumb kid. He says, quote, we are working hard to remove trash from our oceans Accelerate cleanups at Superfund sites. So this is where they're still at. They're still at picking up trash, <laughs> right? This is their. But he did say this, Matt, and this is why this is why I raised it. He said, additionally, I was proud to announce earlier this year that the United States will be joining the Trillion Trees Initiative. Yeah, in January. So you know what? Okay. I I don't think I've ever clapped for Donald Trump on this show, but if yeah. if you're gonna do it on Earth Day. It's something to get behind. It's something to get behind. 
That was our show. I was your host, Matt Muscardi. If you like what you heard, subscribe and rate us. We could use the help. And subscribe to our other shows. Business Pants is a long-form ESG news show full of snark. And if you don't have time for a long show, check out Biz Nuggets, our big story of the day. And you can also go to patreon.com slash freefloatmedia and buy us a latte. If you notice, we don't advertise here. We like to keep it free and unaffiliated so you know what you're getting. There's unfettered access to the brains of ex-ESG analysts. And we'll be back soon with more free-range analysis. We'll see you then.